Hello, fellow book lovers, and welcome to today's episode of We Love Books Con Podcast. For today's interview guest, we are speaking with the lovely, the beautiful, she's so pretty, you guys. Um, looking at her <laughs> video right now while we do this uh, conversation about books, and I'm talking to Sandy Rodriguez. So today we're going to talk about our love for books as well as chat about her new book, Choose to Prevail. So before we jump in, I just want to give Sandy the opportunity to introduce herself and say hi to our listeners and readers. Thank you so much, Shanita. I'm so happy to be here with you. And I'm so happy to connect with other people that share uh, my passion, your passion, which is books. And uh, yes, I find that it's when you love something very much, you just want to share that with everybody. You want other people to know uh, how interesting it can be. And I adore speaking with people who are readers, who love reading. And well, that's pretty much uh, what drew me to your channel, that drew me to everything that you do. And well, I myself, am uh, I have been a big reader ever since I was a little girl. Right now, as you mentioned, I wrote a book which is titled Choose to Prevail, but between point A, being a reader, and point B, being a writer, I have done a lot of things in the writing field. For many years, I was um, an editorial coordinator for one of the foremost newspapers in Latin America. But, uh, you know, even though I, I wrote for uh, newspapers, I edited that newspaper, I've also been a, a frequent collaborator for websites, for magazines and such. There's just something about a book that's, that makes it, uh, you know, it's, it's very appealing. I do love books. I love ebooks. I love physical books. I love uh, books in PDF form. I just can't get enough of them. They're my favorite thing. Oh, oh, yes, yes, we do have that in common. And I am the same way. Um, I get lost in bookstores. My, my to be read list is <laughs> never ending. I, I don't know if I'm going to live long enough to read all the books on that list, but I'm going to do my darndest to try. Um, and yes, like you, I started as a reader um, very young and have continued my love affair with the books. I tell people the only thing I love more than books is God in my family. <laughs> yeah, I mean, here's the thing. I don't know if you would agree with me, Shanita. I feel that sometimes people are, I mean, non-readers are hesitant to pick up this hobby because they've been told or they feel that books can only be educational and boring and meant for school and meant for work. So they think, yeah, that doesn't sound like something I would enjoy, certainly not during my downtime. Certainly not. But that's the thing, that books are really way more than that. They're, they can be, um, depending on whatever type of book you choose, they can be humorous, they can uh, be thought-provoking, they can be uh, all kinds of genres. They're pretty much the equivalent, I would say, to going to the movies. When you go to the movies, you pick what type of movie you want. It can be something very serious, not serious at all. It can be thought-provoking or not. It can be something like very, you know, all fluffy, all, it can be a rom-com, it can be anything. And books have very much the same type of appeal once you get into that. It's just as, as, um, as varied, if not more so than going to the movies or reading a magazine or going online. There is just so much to pick from that. If somebody says, I don't like books, it's because they don't like the books that they have read, but they need to explore further. Absolutely. And um, 
what I would also say is what I have found that people don't realize is a lot of the most impactful and cult followed and beloved movie series, they don't know they started with books. Star Wars was a book series first. Um, Harry Potter was a book series first. Fifty Shades of Grey was a book series first. <laughs> like so many books. People have no idea, like Stranger Things, like all of the, even for everything from plays all the way to movies, now to streaming content, people don't realize that books and the authors who create these stories and, and, and bring these worlds to life are actually the ones who start the things that they love the most. Um, it just, it tickles me, honestly, because normally my friends say, well, did you see such and such movie? And the first thing I say is, was it a, what's the book title? Because if it's not a book, I don't <laughs> want to see the movie because the book always gives you a deeper, richer experience. Um, and then if I see a movie first and then I read the book after, what I found is they lose the nuance or, the, or they, they just, it's something not as, deep and engaging about the movie not to say that the movie is bad necessarily but they normally change something in it or there's mm -hmm. something they're not able to flesh out as well so they just don't do it like even uh, with cgi they don't they'll be like oh how do we recreate that oh, okay we'll just change it <laughs> but with a book you don't have to change it because your brain is the movie projector and you create all the characters and you can basically watch it in your mind so I agree I mean I've I've had friends who said I don't want to watch I don't I want to watch the movie I don't want to read the book it's too much work I'm like what <laughs> that's really that's that's unfortunately the the case for many now you know now that we have the pandemic at least at the very beginning I remember that I went online and I saw a lot of friends saying I'm horrified. I'm so bored. This is terrible. But you know, the people that said that were mostly the people that are not interested in reading. They might have not had books around the house or they didn't even think that that would be an option. So for them, it was really a very trying time. Whereas my friends that are big readers thought, okay, now's the time. And so yeah. they were like, you know, like super happy to have a little extra time to, to delve into this activity. And that's the thing that Reading really is, I mean, beyond the fact that it can have, it can serve several, several educational purposes or informational purposes, because of course it does improve your vocabulary, it does increase uh, your understanding of the world, your capacity for empathy, because Absolutely. it lets you, you know, uh, walk in other people's shoes. But beyond all of that, all of those wonderful qualities, the other thing that reading does is it keeps you entertained. It keeps you amused. It's just like a fun activity yes. comparable to, to pretty much uh, any other fun activity you might engage in. And if anything, it can be more cost effective because even a beautiful hardbound book gives you more enjoyment, you know, hour per hour than say uh, concert tickets, maybe a, a meal out. I mean, it's definitely a relatively inexpensive way to keep yourself really entertained. And that's the thing, if people say, it's not interesting to me, it's not fun, they're just picking wrong. They're picking the wrong books. That's the only thing that I can, I can think. Yeah, and I, and I do agree. Um, of course, I'm biased. And I, <laughs> I did find, I went back to school later in life that, and I took a film class because I am biased and preferential to books. 
I'd never like when I first tried to finish college uh, in my in my teens and early 20s, I was very serious and very focused. And I only took the serious classes, like even my electives were serious. But as an adult, <laughs> I took a different approach to my elective. So I was like, you know what? I, I had by that time recognized the integration between the books that we read and the, and the movies and those things. And I was like, well, maybe I'll, you know, let's give film class a chance. And I took it and it actually helped me improve my writing as mm. a fiction author because it gives you a different way to see, like for me, when I'm writing the books, I'm seeing the actual like thing happening and then I'm writing what I see. And then I'm also delving into the in, inner workings of the character. So you, you get like a full 360 experience as an author. So when you're watching the movie, you don't necessarily get that because you're not able to receive the inner workings and the thoughts and the motivations that the character is experiencing while you're watching the actual action happen. So while I did, I still prefer books. Um, I did, while I did like, you know, find out, oh, okay. But it, the, the, what I found out the connection between the book world and the movie world, it did give me a better understanding of my friends who don't like to read. I mean, I don't understand why, but I started to understand why they liked movies so much. And the one thing that movies have, and I will admit this, the one thing movies have over books is the music. Yes. If yes, I could, yes. if I have found a website that will give you the ability to put a soundtrack behind your <laughs> ebook. I found them. I was like, if you could do that, <laughs> like if you could write your book yeah. and put a soundtrack under it to play during the different scenes, oh, <laughs> there would be no competition. But the one thing that movies have. And I, and I learned about that in the film class was the scoring and how you actually engage and, and draw the viewer in with the music, which we're not able to do with the books. So that is the only, and you know, that's the only caveat when I'm like, okay, I had to, I have to be, I'm a, I'm a very logical, like fair-minded person. I try uh -huh. to see all the, because of the books and the reading and the empathy, I try to see all the angles. And I was like, okay, this is where movies have an edge on books but if I just play music in the background while I'm reading then it's fine you know but so I I agree with you um I have seen more of my friends who read handle the pandemic better but I also realized it's probably because a lot of my friends who read are introverts uh-huh that's so, also true that can happen um the 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 need to be at home and not gather with others is not as great for us I'm an introvert and my extrovert friends have struggled a lot like a lot and it was hard to watch like I felt bad for them I mean I didn't want to leave the house but I felt bad for them so. absolutely how interesting that you're mentioning that because um yes I agree with you absolutely that most of us introverts are the let's say the population group that are more drawn to books but here's the thing a lot of people say no I'm super extroverted I will never pick up a book it's just not my thing however those very same people are often let's say online reading news that they're interested in or reading about things that they're interested in and engaging with others so I think that that would be an easy way to you know if you're online and just reading blogs and discussing things with people and 
you know, starting a flaming war with, you know, it's just like, like interesting. If you're, if you're, if you do that, that type of thing, that could be a, a, a segue into reading, because let's say that you like to go online as an extrovert and look at, I don't know, political news or uh, current events or entertainment news or whatever it is that you're interested in. There is surely a book about that topic yeah. that you would enjoy. And it also spurs conversation. If you um, start reading a book about something that interests you, of course, you're going to get into it. Of course, you're going to enjoy it. And once you're done, you can speak, uh, you know, in a more uh, with more authority on the on the topic or you can just, uh, you know, have more to to bring into a conversation about whatever it is that you read. You might even join a book club. And interesting, interestingly enough, reading books can lead to making friends beyond uh, book clubs. Like if you're out and about and you have a book uh, with you and it has an interesting cover or an intriguing title and you're in a public place and you pull it out and you're just reading, I guarantee that random people are going to strike up a conversation. I've been you. that random person. Right? <laughs> in fact, I would say that if you want to read in peace when you're out and about and you want to be like entirely uh, you know, on your own, it's better to just take out like a maybe like an ebook or your Kindle and just be like yeah. very mysterious so people will think you're working on something so that they will not come up. Because actually uh, a book with a cold cover is a people magnet. People it will is. come up and it's a fantastic way to build your circle if that's what you want to do. I agree. So yeah, so we can talk about the merits of books because we're already sold. <laughs> like we, <laughs> exactly. yes. we are absolutely biased <laughs> and our preference is totally for books. Um, and now speaking of that, let's talk about how that love for books led to you writing your book. Thank you so much, Anita. Thank you so much for, so for asking me about my book. So I wrote um, this book over here called Choose to Prevail. Um, let me tell you how it came to be. So I have a lot of friends in different uh, countries, different types of circles. I have friends of all genders, all ages, all, I mean, all kinds of friends, all, all walks of life even. For various reasons, I've lived in different places, I've worked in different fields, so I just know a lot of people. And the thing is that in recent years, uh, many of my friends, even my very accomplished, uh, very well-to-do friends were saying, you know, we're not feeling great. I'm feeling very stressed or I'm feeling depressed or things are just not going the way that I expected them to. So I thought, okay, that's odd. I mean, it's not, I mean, I never would have guessed, but I thought, well, maybe there is... Um, a market for a book that will help people feel more relaxed with more faith in the future and definitely more self-confident with a you know bigger sense of agency, biggest, bigger sense of strength, inner strength, personal power. So I thought, okay, maybe I can write uh, a book that will uh, you know, address these concerns and help them, let's say, prevail over whatever is causing them grief, be it something very, uh, very big, like maybe the loss of a loved one, which I myself have undergone, or something very minor, like somebody blocked you on Facebook, which I have also experienced. So <laughs> I wanted to, to let people uh, know what has worked for me and what has not, so that they can, uh, instead of necessarily having to experiment on their own, just see what, what i feel could could give them um, help in these regards. It's not a it's not a prescriptive book in the sense that, oh, I have all the answers. And it's certainly not a, a condescending book. In fact, many people, many readers have described the experience of reading Choose to Prevail as um, 
sitting down to coffee with a friend, sitting uh, down with a friend to have a nice cup of tea, maybe a, a, a glass of wine, and just talking about whatever is causing them con uh, concern, what is making them not feel great, and kind of like a back and forth between two friends that will, in the end, leave, um, leave both feeling more relaxed, more at peace, more confident, and better. So that's what I wanted to transmit. But interestingly enough, uh, not all of my friends are big readers. So I thought if I come out with this 500 page tome, they will say, eh, thank you, but no thank you. So I thought, what can I do to make it uh, easier to digest, uh, more reasonable? So I came up with um, a slim book. It's not a long book. It's a book that is meant to be read over the course of an afternoon, basically. Uh, of course, I don't want people to read it in an afternoon and say, okay, I'm throwing it out. I'm done. No, no, no. Uh, what I want is for people to keep it handy. And whenever, uh, you know, whenever another problem strikes or another situation comes uh, that is causing them any trouble, they can go back to the book and reread whatever part uh, has uh, the, the information they need at that particular time. But um, here's the thing. I even included a whole entire chapter on the importance of reading. <laughs> I love so, it. <laughs> because, you know, yes, I like just like you, I am very biased. But I do think that a lot of the times people, not to say that reading can cure depression, because that would be too lofty of a statement. And of course, I'm not, no mental health professional. But I do find that sometimes we all have nagging thoughts or concerns or we're starting to you know go over and over something that we really that's not serving us in any way just just bad thoughts in general and a very easy way to push those thoughts away is to pull out a book and start reading why because when you're doing some other activity even if you enjoy it even if it's entertaining maybe watching tv maybe you know something something else your mind still has space to wander and let those nagging thoughts in, whereas a book really crowds them out. They're gone. They're gone, at least for the time that you're engaged in a book that you find very intriguing. And I do find that it's very helpful for people that are struggling with, uh, with problems or just not so much with problems, but the fact that they're overthinking, that they're thinking about the problem over and over and over, and it's just not going away. And they're even, it's just better to just for a time at least to push it out of your head, just get it out of your head and focus on something else instead. And in that case, a book can be very handy is what I think. Well, of course, I agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and what's interesting is there is, there is actual research and there are studies that have been done that do talk about, as you said, the um, impact on individuals who read to have increased empathy yes. and focus. And it does talk about how you can read your way through certain times and spaces and it can help not as a treatment but as um, a coping mechanism or as a resource when you do have mental mental health issues like depression and um, anxiety and things that allow your like where, where you almost feel like your brain is the enemy versus a part of you that you love and that you want to condition and train and feed with books okay totally biased <laughs> but yes so I totally understand what you're saying um and I agree that they can be you know of course my podcast is we love books kind I'm biased so of course I think books 
they can't solve all the world's problems, but I think if everyone read, the number of problems the world had would be reduced. I, I mean, totally agree. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to argue with other people. It's hard to be um, flaming mad on Twitter or Facebook or wherever. If you're reading a book, you don't have time to type mean things. If you're reading. <laughs> you're absolutely right. Now, let me tell you, in that chapter in the book that, that I go on and on about the merits of reading, which I don't need to sell you on, <laughs> but maybe maybe some readers might might need a little, you know, emphasize, emphasizing on, on the benefits. I also mentioned something that might be a little controversial. I know that even among um, book lovers, not everybody likes eBooks. That's something that's, that I have found even within uh, reader communities. Personally, I love them both. I love physical print books and I also love eBooks. And in fact, I try to carry one of each with me everywhere I go because I think both of them have a time and a place. But uh, that's something that I also wanted to, to drive home in the book. I don't know your personal viewpoint on that particular issue, which is very, I know that it's a subject of great debate. I don't know. Actually, what are your thoughts on eBooks? Well, um, I actually am very similar to you. Uh, <laughs> Be, uh, being a woman of a certain age, of course, when I started, when I fell in love with the books, there were no ebooks. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we had paper rack and we had hardcover. Um, and then as a reviewer, I I was getting a lot of e paperback books yes. before the Kindle for functional capacity and just for the ability to carry my library everywhere with me. I love an ebook. Absolutely love an ebook. And from an independent author standpoint, ebooks have given authors so many opportunities and so many ways to make their stories and their 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 art available to the world. I love ebooks. I have no no hate for ebooks. I think they are the bee's knees. I <laughs> wanted a Sony e-reader. That's how long I've been interested in ebooks before the Kindle because some people don't even know Sony had an e-reader. Um newsflash uh time travel moment. Sony is the one that introduced e-readers. Um, they had the market, they had the corner on the market for a very long time before the Kindle arrived on the scene. And then Jeff Bezos did a thing where he opened the Kindle up to indie authors and readers responded in a way where people's lives were changed. Millionaires were made in the course of a year, two years where a millionaire being an author used to not even be an option unless you were, you know, Danielle Steele or, you know, mm -hmm. yes. um, Stephen King, you know, <laughs> well. people were not making millions just on book sales alone. And now because of eBooks, that has been a thing. So yes, I, I appreciate and love a good eBook. I just finished packing up two Kindles because I was telling my daughter, I have too many devices. Um, I had an e-ink Kindle, I had a tablet Kindle, and I have an iPad, and I have a smartphone, and I have a, I don't think it's too much, so um, I did find somewhere to donate my Kindles, they're in great working shape, and I want to be able to share, you know, for those, for the program, uh, reading in books with the, with the kids and the children who are going to benefit, so I love ebooks. I think they're amazing, I think they changed the world, I still do prefer paperback and hardcover for nonfiction only because when I'm learning something taking notes highlighting engaging uh. with the material um it just helps me remember it better and that's something I find I found out by going back to school 
um, as a non-traditional student. So when I attended school in the 90s, there was no textbook rental. You bought that $300, $500 book and it was yours forever. Unless you could sell it back for what? A pittance, $50, $100 if it was a science book. And so I did try textbook rental and I found I struggled harder to retain the material and I couldn't like engage with the learning the way I love because I love to learn. You know, I love to read, but I also just, I'm always learning something new. I chose my career path because it means I'm going to always be learning because it's technology driven. So I was like, yes, I'm going to do this. But I did realize, oh no, I need, I need the textbook. Give me the Give me the physical book when it's nonfiction. So I'm like you. I like both. And I think they both serve a purpose. And I think each person should know themselves well enough to understand which they need and when. Exactly. Exactly. When. That's the other very important point. There's there's definitely a... That's why I always carry around both. I mean, just in case. Now, here's the thing. I, I absolutely agree with you with that certain books you do need to have you know the physical feel yes i i totally agree with you but however i do find that many people use uh the i don't like electronic as an excuse to not get into reading they yes. say well yes i mean i know it's available on my phone even i can download the kindle app but no 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 i prefer a hardbound uh first edition copy but the thing is that bizarrely, the people saying that are not even the book snobs. They're people that have never, ever read, and they're using that as an excuse to look cool while not even uh, trying, right? It's very strange. But um, here's the thing. I find that ebooks are are wonderful for uh, a number of reasons. Uh, well, of course, certainly space-wise, that's definitely uh, a thing. The other thing is that a lot of people that actually do like reading but are kind of turned off by by e-books just haven't just like sometimes people that say they don't like reading is because that they haven't found the right book mm-hmm. people that say they don't like kindles or e-readers have just not found the right one because there are just so many kinds glossy screen matte screen big size small size i mean there's just a bunch of stuff the ones that I personally like are the ones I actually had a first generation Kindle, first generation, and it was the best one so far, uh, in my opinion. Obviously, it doesn't work anymore and cannot be repaired, but it was fantastic because the feel was exactly, exactly like a piece of paper. It did not wow. look or feel like a screen. It was amazing. Now they do have a bunch of, of options that are paper like. But that one to me was definitely the best in that regard. I'm not super fond of the ones that are tablet style because to me, just dragging your fingers on it feels odd. It doesn't feel like a book. But I mean, there are just so many different types. And again, not all e-readers are well-suited for all kinds of books. If they have illustrations, certain styles might be better. If it's all text, another style might be best. So it's a matter of, of... picking one, uh, deciding on which one is right for you and the type of material that you like. But you know, right now with the COVID situation that still has several cities and places uh, around the the country and the world in in certain types of lockdowns or closures, uh, eBooks are wonderful because most libraries, if not all, do let you borrow eBooks. So then you don't have to step into the library and you don't have any sanitary concern about, oh, people have been handling this book. No, it's just you. 
So that's that's definitely a, an upside. And the other thing is that I have found that in order to keep costs low, many publishers have been using tiny, 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 tiny fonts on their regular books these days. And I mean, even if your eyesight is like 20-20, you don't need the extra strain. You're in right. many cases, right? In many cases, uh, an ebook is more um, convenient and comfortable to read simply because you can make the font as large as you like. Yes. So, I mean, that's good for people in general. And if you do have any kind of a vision concern, which I kind of do, I, I think it's very comfortable to be able to just modify the font to your liking and your needs. So that's another upside, definitely. Yes, and, and it's funny you um, should mention that because one of the things as an author, mm -hmm. I do, you know, research the, the industry, what's going on. So because of the pandemic and even before the pandemic, um, the printing companies in America were beginning to falter and to fold. Yes. And oh, because yes. of the pandemic, the main one um, has seen absolutely abhorrent delays and has been backed up. So one of the things that has happened is a lot of people have turned to ebooks and they've seen a surge in people purchasing ebooks during the pandemic um, in order to alleviate the need to go into the store and buy the book. So it's people who were readers who maybe life and time made reading not an option have returned to reading. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. There's time now. There is and time. And then um, <laughs> one of the things that I did because I was an ebook author and I didn't necessarily like the inconsistency of print on demand. Like I loved it initially yes. because when it first came on the scene at the same time as the Kindle, the quality was different. And it gave you access to people, you know, that you never had as an independent or a self-published author. And then I, like I said, I, I transitioned, I went back to school and I, I continued to like kind of work on telling people about my books I'd already written, but I had to slow down my publishing schedule. And then I found that the quality of the, the print on demand books wasn't the same. It wasn't always bad. It just wasn't consistent. So another thing I didn't like is I couldn't offer large print. I couldn't offer hardcover um not in the way that made it financially feasible because being a, a independent author is make is you're a business and so I found hand bound hand binding like where you hand bind your books and sounds you very elegant books. it it does <laughs> um it's very it's very crafty it's beautiful um but it's the way books have, have always been made prior to about 110 years ago when the Gutenberg print press came along so um that also opens things up for people and it provides a way uh, to engage with the book and give the reader something that they didn't get. And it also addresses, like you said, the large print thing. Because older people actually were adapting to Kindles, older readers were adapting to Kindles earlier or quicker than middle-aged or younger readers because of the fact that they could increase the font size. Yes. And I found that absolutely like mind-boggling. I was like, what? But you're correct and also saying most people still prefer paperback. Mm -hmm. they, they're warming up to the Kindle and the others, uh, the Kobo, the Nook. Um, and there are also some generic named ones that I didn't know about that I was like, where did these people come from? <laughs> like, what is this? Um, but people are warming up to them out of necessity, like you said, because there have been concerns about the library and things like that because of the, um, the pandemic. So... You're absolutely right. Um, finding the reason to use them and also audiobooks. That's the other part. Audiobooks have actually been the number one fastest growing area of literature 
bar none for about five years. Because what people also forget is people who have um, learning disabilities or learning differences, whichever term you prefer, dysgraphia, dyslexia, mm -hmm. different types of things, they actually are audio learners and they actually enjoy the books better in audio version. And now libraries are also loaning those out as well. So mm -hmm. I, I like to tell people, you know, who are like, I don't like to read books. <laughs> I'll be like, do you like music? <laughs> like what like do you like music <laughs> well, yeah well why don't you try audiobook right yeah try it when you when you're going to sleep at night like you just want to listen to something ease your mind put it on in the background while you're getting ready for bed and I've had a few friends that I've converted <laughs> that's fantastically interesting let me tell you about my experience with audiobooks the very first one that I listened to was amazing I mean amazing it was titled The Geography of Bliss, and it's a book by an author called Eric Weiner, who recently wrote a book called The Socrates Express. Okay, so I listened to The Geography of Bliss, and I thought, okay, this is like fabulous. So much that I figured out how to reach the author, and I wrote him to say, okay, I was uh, amazed. I didn't expect to like audiobooks this much. And then I learned that he had been working in uh, national public radio for a very long time. So he explained that he writes for the ear is how he expressed mm. it. He writes in a way that would sound uh, that would sound appealing, that would sound nice, that would sound uh, just just the way that you would speak. And it, it was very effective as an audiobook. So mm. I went into the audiobook world assuming, oh, they're probably all as wonderful as the geography of bliss. Mm. And no, it's a little hit or miss. I think that it depends on basically two things. Sometimes the narrator has a voice that you love and sometimes they don't. So that's, that's one thing. If for whatever reason their voice is to you personally not pleasant or you find it grating or you find it annoying, mm -hmm. you're not going to get into it the way that you should. The other thing is that some books, uh, for instance, like you were saying, many nonfiction that require you to learn, to me at least they're a little... I don't know, it's a little hard to, to really retain everything yeah. if it's just uh, audio. But for instance, some, some fiction books are fantastic uh, when, when read out loud. They're just, I mean, it's crazy. And they're fantastic because uh, here's the thing. Another thing I recommend in the book is exercise. And if while you're working out, you're listening to say a thriller, a mystery, uh, a funny book, well, the hours fly by and before you know it, you finish listening to the book and you have a fantastic figure to boot. So it's a definitely a win-win a all around. So there's, it's definitely a thing. Or if you have chores to do around the house or anything, just, you know, you're listening to something like fascinating as you're doing something that might not be as fascinating and just a uh, time just flies by. But um, that's something, yeah, absolutely. And it's very interesting that you should mention that. Also, I feel that some people are hesitant to read a, uh, read well quote unquote read audiobooks or to get into audiobooks listen to audiobooks because again there's the snob factor and I say that in the most uh kindest of ways uh <laughs> a lot a lot of people say no 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 I would never listen to a book I only enjoy uh, you know carrying these fancy expensive uh, hardcover books I love the smell I love the texture well yes I mean we all do but I mean it's just another alternative and everything does have its time and its place however uh that experience with the geography of bliss really led me to explore audiobooks more uh 
the other thing is that some people don't know this, but some audiobook companies, Audible comes to mind, they allow you to return a book that you're not liking, like from the start. So you're not committed to say, hey, I downloaded and bought and paid a lot of money for this audiobook and I'm not liking the speaker. It's just not working, but now I'll have to listen to the whole thing. No, I mean, companies do let you return material that is not working for you. Like you don't need to spend 12 hours of your time on something you don't like. Right. But the reality is that plenty of audiobooks are like fantastic. Yeah, and most audiobooks yeah. are, yeah. Most yeah. are, yeah. You really do need to give them a chance. Yeah, and and as now the the it's funny you mentioned Audible because the back the backlash to that return policy is um, that authors right now are having to band together, especially indie authors, because they're encouraging customers even if they've listened to the entire book uh, to no. return the books, and mm -hmm. the authors are getting chargebacks then I'm not delighted with the policy anymore. Well, but I think that- But I, I think I there's a, there should be a happy medium. Yeah, um, I think so I like too. what you said. I think, I mean, but the, the truth of the matter is people also do that with eBooks. People will purchase an yeah. eBook, read an eBook and return the eBook. And as an author, mm -hmm. you're like, what? Wait a minute, what is happening? Mm -hmm. What are you doing? But, mm -hmm. you know- the thing I think, the thing I tell people, because, you know, people love to hate Amazon. Amazon is a business. We are a capitalist country. I respect their approach to customer satisfaction. However, I do not respect how they at times um, shortchange the creators because of the way they try to cater to the um, customer. Because there are people who will abuse systems and there are people who will take things like that, take advantage of it. So for me, I think Audible is great if that's where you find your entryway into um, audiobooks. And my my personal thought is I'm just going to leave it to the readers. And then as an independent author, um, I have to decide if I want to put my books there. I have one audiobook out right now and it was done by a, a sound engineer and he did it like an audio drama. I just gave him the script and mm. let him go for it. <laughs> was like, you go <laughs> ahead, do your thing because I was not familiar with them and I did not have any audio training. Now, after going back to school for tech com, I know how to, you know, I do my podcast recordings. I know how to use Adobe Audition. So I'll be doing my audio books in the future. But um, it's like you said, I was looking at Audible and I actually went through them and now I'm conflicted as an author because mm. while I want my readers who prefer audiobooks to have access to the books, they're literally sending emails encouraging people to return books they've already listened to. That's not that's not great. I think that I think you're absolutely right. I mean, people could abuse the system. I was not aware that you can actually listen to the whole thing or read an entire ebook. Uh, and then return. I think that's a little bit on the crazy side. That would be like if you go to a restaurant and you finish all your meal, every single last morsel on your plate, and you say, "Hey, I didn't enjoy this. I want my money back." Well, well, I mean, if People you were not enjoying it, well, <laughs> that's a little bit crazy. I mean, that's that's uh, clearly quite abusive. I mean, if you went, I mean, I don't think like if you're not liking a product. I don't think you would need to go all the way to the end and then say, oh, I was just waiting to see if it turned better. Like, on, no, no, I mean, that doesn't even make sense. Well, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. I didn't know that about the policy, but I do think that, well, like we were saying, everything has uh, its pros and cons. And certainly uh, if that's the case with Amazon, because uh, 
well, it does give a voice to just so many different authors, which is yeah. great. It gives global distribution, which is also fantastic. But yeah, like you were saying, I mean, obviously there are downsides to everything. I think that much like I like all types of book formats, I also like all types of book distribution channels. I like big box bookstores. I like yeah. indie bookstores. I like independent retailers. I like Amazon. I like tiny uh, book sites. I, I mean, I really don't... Uh, I'm don't just, discriminate. Um, you did love books. <laughs> yes, that's the truth. If I see like a yard sale and someone is, uh, you know, selling their old books, I might take a peek into that, a little free library that people have outside their homes. I do that. I also belong to, I'm a library, uh, I have a library card for a bunch of libraries. I, um, I really don't have an issue with any particular means of distribution, although I do see or I do understand that all of them could have a downside of some nature, certainly. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, I'm being an independent, you know, author and then having to learn about the book business in the back. So like I said, I'm not one of the authors that hates Amazon. Um, I, it, it just doesn't make sense to me. That's not the way I'm put together. I don't think some of their practices are the most ethical or um, the most fair to authors. But at the same time, I know I'm not forced to be there. Right. And so my response to that was to start learning how to hand buy books because I didn't like the thought of my readers not getting my books on time because mm -hmm. there's a backlog. Like to me, as the owner of my book business, mm -hmm. I have to know how to cater to my readers. And that's something that Amazon actually taught me. Like when I look at how they respond to their, their first customers were readers. Like people forget that Jeff Bezos started Amazon in his garage selling books. That's literally the mm -hmm. origin story. So I take the lessons from what he did, not the bad part, not the unethical part, <laughs> <laughs> but I look at how he listened to what his customers wanted as far as access to the books. Um, being able to get them as quickly as possible, hence literally immediate with an ebook. And for me, I took that and I researched how I could make my books available to the readers who I resonate with, because I don't expect for all the readers to like my books. If you see my book and you buy my book and you don't like my book, by all means, return my book. <laughs> <laughs> have a nice day but you know for the readers who decide wow I love everything she puts out I want to be able to hand bind a book for them if they prefer paperback if they prefer hardcover I want to be able to offer them an ebook um, direct from me where you don't even have to go through Amazon because they're those technological capabilities are around so for people like you who are like hey I'll buy the book from an independent bookstore. I'll buy the book from a big box store. I'm hoping there are readers out there who will be like, hey, I'm gonna buy the book directly from Shanita just because yeah. that's my author. She's one of my top, like, I think everyone has a top five. Speaking of which, mm -hmm. uh, who are yours? Like, who are your favorite authors? It's hard to say because I love so many, but okay, I'm just giving you like, um, well, I do love uh, the author I was telling you about, Eric Weiner. I love all his books. I like his writing style very, very much. It's nonfiction and mostly it's travel memoirs, but they're written in, um, in a humorous way. They're quite interesting. The last one is actually a, a strange uh, type of travel book because it focuses on philosophers of old. So he travels in a way that enables him to understand philosophers' viewpoints and 
it's just fascinating. It's called The Stock Hurricane's Express. Very, very good uh, book. Uh, I would totally recommend. So I love him. Then I also discovered um, a British author earlier this year. Her name is Dawn O'Porter. And she writes um, interesting, let's say, I can't, they're not really rom-com, um, you know, they're not really uh, romantic uh, comedies. Maybe? Not. It, I don't know how to describe because they're humorous. They're very funny. They uh, speak in a, I wouldn't say they're feminist, but they're also not super traditional. It's just a very interesting chiclet. genre. That you sounds like chiclet. Yes, yeah. but it goes beyond. I think it's, I do love one very specific chiclet author as well, which is Sophie Kinsella. She's one of my super favorites. I love her. Dawn is a little different, but I mean, definitely okay. those three would be uh, uh, authors that I really like. Uh, on the more serious side, I love this um, European philosopher called Alain de Botton. He writes uh, books on philosophy mostly. One of the ones that I like best from him is one called The Consolations of Philosophy, where he um, offers the reader uh, ideas from philosophers that might help them deal with current problems. So that's an interesting concept right there. That's also an author that I really like. And you know, in nonfiction, I, I really like, uh, for instance, um, Dan Ariely, well, and I also love the Freakonomics authors, uh, Stephen uh, Levitt and Stephen Dublin, I believe that's yeah. the last name. I love them as well. I love nonfiction. I love fiction. I just, it's terrible because I'm just attracted to all kinds of books. There are very few genres that I cannot get into. Like, for instance, I personally do not enjoy science fiction or fantasy. But beyond those two, I mean, it could be a book on... Uh, the life of and biology of the bees, or it could be like a, a romantic uh, historical novel. I mean, it really doesn't matter. I just love all books. That's that's the reality, Shanita. I'm, I'm, that I'm is terrible. awesome. <laughs> oh, oh, it's not terrible. It's beautiful. There should be more people like us in the world. <laughs> well, I could literally talk with you about books all day long, and maybe in the future, We'll reach out and we'll talk to you about what you're reading again, if you're available, because you sound very busy. And of course, <laughs> your books are always available to keep you occupied. But I just want to thank you so much for coming to share your oh. love for <laughs> books with us here at We Love Books Con podcast. And I'm looking forward to sharing your information and your interview with our listeners. So is there anything else you want to share? Um, social media, website? where people can get your book before we go? Thank you so much. Absolutely. If anyone wants to follow my book journey on Instagram, it's quite easy. The handle is at choose to prevail. If somebody's old school and they still use Facebook, well, we have a choose to prevail public group. It's just throwing uh, the words choose to prevail in the search engine on, on Facebook and you will reach us. And as for the book itself, uh, well, I think that it's not no exaggeration to say that I love all distribution channels. So you can buy the book on Amazon, you can buy it on Barnes and Noble, you can buy it on any major platform, including target.com or walmart.com. You can buy it um, from, uh, let's say, uh, Scribe, I believe it's the name for, for EPUB books. You can buy it on something called the Book Baby Bookstore. You just type in Book oh, yeah. Baby Bookstore and you uh, 
choose to prevail and you shall find it there. And if you want a signed copy, that's also available through a website called heartofhollywoodmagazine.com. If you go to heartofhollywoodmagazine.com, you will be able to buy signed copies. So that's something also very specific for people who want something more personalized. But in reality, it's hard not to find the book. <laughs> All you need to do is throw the words choose to prevail and my own name, Sandy Rodriguez, in your search engine. And you will find different purchasing options, different price points, different formats, different styles, and signed copies, depending on what it is that you want. <laughs> awesome. So as you can see, Sandy loves the books and she publishes what she preaches. <laughs> and you can get her book wherever books are sold. We don't know if an audiobook is coming, but we're, oh. you know, we're, <laughs> we'll be checking the Instagram and the Facebook page to see if that ever comes about. Thank you so much again for joining us. And thank you, listeners and fellow book lovers, for tuning in for this week's episode of We Love Books Time. We'll see you next time to talk about our love for books. Bye.